Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is Justin Brunken, your host of the Industrial Solutions Network Connect Together podcast. Um, I'm a part of the Industrial Solutions Network, like I said, uh, which is built from a network of uh, distributors uh, focused on the manufacturing world and the industrial world of CED. Uh, we have the Royal Industrial Solutions um, in California. We got CES up in the Northwest. We have Keithley Patterson Renson House CED around the middle. We got Moe's Ba Tri-State, Baldwin Hall. Uh, all those really uh, trying to uh, help still keep you connected, um, even on the digital side of things now when we can't really be physically connected uh, due to the pandemic right now. And I know it's been a while since we've done this podcast, but we wanted to start it back up and try to bring on more people to uh, get information directly to you. Um, we're going to have a lot more coming up in the future. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's uh, information um, that is valuable to you. And always let us know if there's anything we can do uh, any topics that uh, we can help uh, with what you guys need right now. Uh, so in the meantime, we're going to get to our first episode with uh, Chris out of our uh, Louisville uh, location. And uh, and uh, thanks so much for joining us again, and hopefully we have more here in the future. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get started. Thanks again. All right, welcome to another episode of the Industrial Solutions Network podcast series called Connect Together. We are part of the industrially focused locations of uh, CED, including our CED locations in Louisville. Um, And today we have a man named Chris Boyer. Uh, This is the beauty of this podcast. We're trying to connect people from all over the country that know stuff. I'm a host that knows nothing to bring people on that know everything. And this man, this is what he told me before the podcast. He knows everything, absolutely everything. You can't stump him about motion control, everything. Don't listen to him when he says that he he doesn't know everything because he does. Um, I know he'll tell you differently. But we got him on to talk about what's going on with motion control Um in industry 4.0 and what's going on and what you should probably think about and care about. Chris, was that the proper introduction? That's a great introduction, Justin. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That uh, I know you said that I'd probably deny that, but uh, I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm just <laughs> going to accept it and, and move forward. You know, I've got some uh, uh, I got some business cards printed up at one point in time using a uh, kind of a nickname that I acquired a long time ago and that nickname was uh electromechanical genius at large <laughs> so uh who made you so stop still, printing those nobody uh ced was uh was was okay with it I was for a while say. I was ced but i mean at least the local folks were they thought it was funny and uh <laughs> it's obviously very tongue-in-cheek i don't consider myself a genius about anything but uh, no it, I, it was kind of a cool title oh i would never consider myself a genius in anything and i'm in marketing but that's why I'm bringing people on like you to help us uh, help me understand and help uh, get some information out there to our customers, especially right now where, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, you can't get in front of right now. There's a lot of people looking for information in other avenues online. Um, hence, you know, our 
we had a hiatus from the podcast, but we're ready to go. We have a bunch of sessions happening here in the next uh, few weeks to get some more episodes up. And man, our first guest in a long time is Chris. It's good to have you. Well, again, thank you for letting me do this and let me be here. There's there's a lot of things about motion control that uh, that people assume and, and people don't know, or uh, we're not going to get into anything, you know, any any technical stuff today, but just kind of on general and uh, just talk about the topic in general and go from there and see where this thing goes. Yeah, I like motion control is always weird to me. Like I didn't come from this industry, but like everything in manufacturing is motion. Like what? Are you just in charge of everything in the plant? Is it robotics? Like, what is it? Everything's motion, right? That's right. There's a, especially in this day and age, you know, when everybody is really trying to define um, where industry is. I mean, we're in the middle of an industrial revolution right now. Uh, we're in uh, the fourth, I, I guess, it's considered the fourth industrial revolution. The first being the, you know, the, the, the mechanization and, the second being mass production and the third being automation itself. And now we're, we're trying to, to put all this stuff together through a, a what a, a cyber network or a cyber physical world that includes uh, all kinds of really, really cool things. And I, I guess where does motion control fit into all of that stuff? Um, well, you've got the internet of things and artificial intelligence uh, mobile devices, 3D printing, uh, robotics, and new technologies, and augmented reality, uh, cyber networks, the cloud—all all that stuff that's floating around out there. Uh, and why? I mean, why, what are we doing with all that stuff? I guess you know it, it all filters down into into three or four concepts that um, businesses must adhere to, and that's you know flexibility and responsiveness. Uh, and connecting these architectures together somehow. Well, motion control has to has to fall within those guidelines. They have to it has to has to evolve and connect to those kinds of systems uh, in order for it to uh, in order for motion control to even exist. So, kind of is is you know to quote uh, David Byrne. Do you know even who David Byrne is? No, is that going to is that going to age you or age me? Uh, it's going to age me probably. <laughs> David Byrne was. Uh, let me tell you what he said. Um, same as it ever was is the quote. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you know the talking heads. That's who I'm talking. Yeah, about. that's a song. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just a crazy old song from from back. I don't know, maybe in the '80s or whatever. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, motion control is kind of the same as it ever was. I mean, it it, um, it it's always been a cutting edge technology. And it has to evolve, but during its evolution, it has to adhere to these these common networks and things like uh, the addition of things and the evolving of things like advanced safety and uh, allowing more data to be extracted from uh, from the mechanical electrical process. And that's what, uh, in in large part, that's what we're doing, and that's how motion control is evolving. Uh, in, in the Rockwell world, anyway, there's lots of folks out there that have competitive products that chose to use proprietary type networks, and and they kind of defeat their purpose in doing that. And if they if they really want to work in uh, in Industry 4.0, 
So what, where? Yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, you said three three words: flexibility, responsiveness, and connecting. Right. And connectivity. That's right. Like, yeah. where does where is motion going in those three right now in industry 4.0? What do customers have to look out for? And you know, why does it matter? Well, the, the let's take one of them at a time, I guess. Uh, flexibility. People people want to be able to use things that they uh, that they've used before and and that are easy for them. And being flexible means that uh, you can take a software package like RS Logics or like Studio Five Thousand or whatever and create your your motion control package or your motion control architecture within that software and that software that your folks at your plant are used to working with. So that keeps, that's very flexible in terms of not having to learn someone else's stuff just to do a piece of your operation. Uh, responsiveness. Well, responsiveness is, you can look at that a couple of different ways. One is uh, if you already have people that know the software and know how to create, Within that tool, you're much more responsive because they don't have to learn that. And I guess you could also look at responsiveness being uh, how how easily you can change a process. And this is also flexible, flexibility. How easy you can change a process when it has been when motion control has been utilized. Um, and as far as connected connected, I can't say that connectedness connectedness whatever it is yeah 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 that's, that's you know what i'm saying yeah sure as far as connecting the architectures well i guess like i said earlier the um the motion control in in rockwell in the rockwell world utilizes uh, ethernet ip so that's a network that's utilized in the internet of things all over i mean uh, the mobile devices the the cloud um robotics all that stuff utilize that same network it's not a proprietary network that we go out and, and you must will and shall use this particular network if you're going to use our stuff so that makes it really nice um so when you when you when you're saying to like you know we have a saying here it's like you know get to where you want to be uh and and that's what you're talking about with evolving right the industry is evolving Motion control is evolving. We're evolving. Rockwell is evolving. You know, what can customers do now to get to where they want to be in the motion side of things? You just talked about, you know, where motion fits in with flex, flexibility, responsiveness, and you say the last word again. Oh, the uh, connected architectures? <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, change, but yeah, that one. Not, yeah, you just want to make fun of me. So. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, where can customers uh, do now to get to where they want to be? Um with motion control well there's a couple of um there's a couple of different ways to go about that especially when there are different customers to work with so in my world uh, there, there are two different primary types of customers you have your oem that's actually building the machinery that's that's doing the things that, that need to be done in, in the production world and then you also have the what we call the end user who is using the oem's machinery or developing projects in-house to enhance their production process. So um, you kind of address those in, in different manners. Um, the OEM is typically looking for uh, somebody to help them create the motion control architecture 
Um, and one of the things that they can do to make that a lot easier, I guess this is kind of true for both customers, is try and get the stuff from one vendor, from, from one person. So that's difficult to do because you got to go back and kind of define what a motion control system is. And I know I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but I've got to kind of explain this a little bit. Okay. So a motion system is to boil it down, uh, is basically two kinds of systems. You have a mechanical system and an electrical or an electronic system. Hence the term mechanical electrical genius, electromechanical genius. <laughs> so so oh, you got nice. all these mechanical Full devices. Circle. Yeah. So you have all these mechanical devices and you have all these electrical devices. And typically in the past, there have been mechanical distributors and electrical distributors. Hmm. So CD fell on the electrical side of that, right? And we are trying to get engaged with lots and lots of different third-party vendors that work really, really well with our electrical stuff. And then they got we have folks like me that go out to the customer and, and look at what they're trying to do and say, you know what? We've got all these cool mechanical things that you can also put with this and we can help you design into the application that you're doing. And we'll control it all with, with Rockwell Motion. And that has worked very well. Hmm. Where that kind of fails not where, where it kind of fails to work is when uh, customers decide that for whatever reason, for whether it's relationships, whether it's price, um, whatever it is, they choose to, to go out and they get the mechanical stuff from other folks. And then they, they, they try and marry that with electrical products that may or may not fit. And then it can end up in, in a in a cluster where everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else. Hmm. And we try and eliminate that by offering a solution to that with by having all the componentry. Hmm. Um, so in the in so how do we do that with creating that solution? Um, are we are we going out there and just figuring out, we talk to the customer and we just, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, we, we try to connect people together and just businesses and delivery partners, all these different people to whatever we need to do. I mean, are you just going out there and just trying to find like all these different groups that fit together so you can give everything that works well, together to them or, yeah, or what? That's exactly what, okay. that's exactly what I've done there. Um, we have typically in the motion world, you have a group of products, um, that, that you know are going to be used on just about every uh, system or process or production piece of equipment that's going to be built. Things like uh, bearings and rails, um, uh, ball screws and racks and pinions and gearboxes, um, rotary drive systems, uh, actuators, uh, XYZ tables and, and rotary indexing tables. Um, couplers, all kinds of, of mechanical stuff like that, that you know the customer is going to have to use in order to create whatever it is that they're trying to do. Hmm. And then all those pieces and parts have to be controlled. You're, you're going to, most of those pieces and parts change rotary motion into linear motion. Hmm. And when that happens, uh, you know, Rockwell has servo motors. Lots of people have servo motors. Lots of people have ball screws and gearboxes. 
but not everybody has all this stuff under one roof. And hmm. certainly not everybody has a guy like me toot my own horn here again a little bit, but <laughs> not everybody has a guy. Everything like I said me went to your go. head. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for, but, but seriously, I mean, the, the CD spends a lot of money for, to have resources like, like myself yeah. and like my, my, uh, um, peers that work within the technical resource center because all these guys are really just as smart as I am and probably a lot of them a whole lot smarter but but they're all guys that go out guys and gals that go out and uh, and help the customer create the solution whatever it is they're doing whether it's safety whether it's motion whether it's PLCs or networks whatever it is uh, that's the great thing about CED and, and dealing with us is because it's all under one roof. So, and again, I, I, I go off on tangents. I, no, that's, well, that's, I mean, so what's, you know, try to get to the customer's issue. Um, like what's the disconnect usually on that end? Um, you know, is the mechanical and electrical on the, the customer side different uh, people? And, and, you know, before something happens, they're just kind of on their own or, you know, is it someone working together, just not thinking how things should work together? Like, what is that disconnect? Um, and how can how can we help them either before or after the problem? Or that's a that's a great question. I am so glad you brought it hey, up. So this, hey. this is a point that I really did want to hit on, on in during this podcast. Um, so we so you got we didn't two, plan that two, at all. So that's good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this this conversation has worked out really well. <laughs> so again, you got two typical types of customers, OEMs and end users. So in the OEM world, uh, what happens is th there are two groups of engineering folks, typically. Um, you got the mechanical engineering and you got the electrical engineering or the, the programmers. Some people call them that. Some, sometimes they're, they're segregated into two different groups. Sometimes they're not. Anyway, it's two phases. So Typically, the, the OEM sales guy, they'll go out and they'll sell something. They'll sell a piece of equipment that does X. And they come back and they, they, they have a meeting and the mechanical guys get together and they start to create this whatever it is that's going to do whatever it does. And and they don't really even consider controlling it or, or the, the, the electrical piece of this until all the mechanical stuff is done. Hmm. So, so then they take this drawing package and they go over and they hand it to the electrical guys and say, here you go, have fun with this. This is great. And now the electrical guys are, are left to try and integrate whatever it is, whatever package that they typically use because they don't want to go out and, uh, and reuse uh, a different system for every job that they do. It's, it would be, would be terribly inefficient. So, where we help with that is, or where we can help with that, if our customers will let us, um, is is get into the, uh, the mechanical folks when they're designing the mechanical piece. And, and where we we fall short on doing that is we're an electrical company. We're an electrical distributor. And we're used to doing things that way. And the paradigm that I'm trying to change is, is that. I mean, we need – our guys need to be in and calling on the mechanical folks – a whole lot earlier than we used to in the process so to make sure that they understand all the things that we bring to the table in the motion control world because people our customers really are not used to cd offering these kinds of things so that's the oem group do they, so that, i hate to interrupt i mean do 
um, do the mechanical people when they're designing that, and it seems like that has that that usually comes first. Do they feel like you know we have electrical people coming in, stepping on their feet? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, it, do they have that sort of mindset, or or you know, or do you need to come in? It's like, no, we're trying to make this easier and help help you, not kind of like take over and think electrical is more important. I don't think that uh, that that there's animosity. Most of the time, I don't think there's any animosity within the two groups. I, I think it's just a matter of this is how we've always done it, hmm. and this is how we're going to continue to do it because nobody likes to change. Hmm. It's hard. Um, at least I think that's what's going on. There, there may be some, you know, engineer here and engineer there that doesn't like or doesn't, you know, who knows what what's in their head. But uh, for the most part, I think it's just a matter of. Uh, working with, and, and you know, this is really my job has become more of a consultant's yeah. job than it really, than anything else, because um, that's what I do. I go in and, and I try and create an atmosphere where we can all sit down and talk about how we're going to do all this in the most efficient way to do it. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the huge leverage points of the Rockwell architecture and not just Rockwell, but, but the whole group of products that I put together. It, it, if you, if you, take a project from from ground zero and go all the way through it you're always choosing the best um the the best motor the best gear combination the best actuator to use for a particular situation maybe they have uh, maybe the the oem is building a machine tool for uh ford and ford has has utilized these particular kinds of servo motors in the past well, maybe we want to kind of try and work around those servo motors and get them to work because they already have them in stock at their at their uh, in their in their crib. So that's just kind of one uh, example of why why it pays to to try and go down that path. the The other side of that, or the the end user side of that, uh, the resistance there or the, the the challenge there, is kind of unique to end users. So the end users have purchased a bunch of stuff over the years from OEMs. And the OEMs, in a lot of cases, uh, Rockwell, in North America anyway, Rockwell is the leader in, in, uh, in PLCs and control. So you find a lot of end user machine tools that have Rockwell control but have somebody else's motion. Hmm. And where I see, where I see a... a, a the end user being able to help themselves a lot is they should take the tack that, Hey, we're buying this equipment. We're going to dictate to the, to the OEM, what kind of motion control stuff we're going to allow in our plant. If they don't do that. And I've always told my customers, you know, I work for CD and, and we're Rockwell. I've always told my customers, I, I, I want you to buy Rockwell, of course. And, and Rockwell, in my opinion, has one of the very best, um, motion packages or motion offerings out there. But if you choose not to buy Rockwell and buy somebody else's stuff, that's your choice. But just make sure you buy all of their stuff. Hmm. Because if you don't, you're going to, you're doing yourself a dis, uh, you're not doing yourself any favors because your crew is not going to be able to support this stuff. You're not going to be able to efficiently manufacture whatever it is you're manufacturing because you're always going to be fighting multiple platforms or multiple software packages. 
Uh, nobody wants to do that. That's it. That's interesting. What's the? We, I mean, <clears throat> I wrote down like, what's the big deal? I, I hear this a lot. It works, right? I don't. Well, it, yeah, it works when it's new, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and then so they leave, and now you've got a maintenance group there that have or maintenance engineering group that has to support that piece of equipment. So if the piece of equipment has, uh, if the PLC code is written in RS Logics, and the machine code works fine. But the motion control stuff is in a black box, and nobody knows it. Now we've got an issue with an axis on that particular machine. Who's going to fix it? Is it going to be the, the, the maintenance fellow that's never even hooked up to that piece of equipment before? He doesn't have the program. She doesn't have the, uh, the code. Uh, you know what I'm saying. There, there's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of stuff in that black box that nobody knows about. Huh. So how are you going to support that in the long run? And I'll tell you something else that that, uh, that Rockwell is great at, and that is supporting for the long term. You know, I can buy stuff. I've been with CED for 25 years. I, I can buy stuff this day, right now, that was new when I came to work here. And I can still sell that to my customers. So that says a tremendous amount for Rockwell and their, their ability to stand behind a product. I can promise you there aren't any. I don't know of any other motion companies out there selling drives and motors and, and stuff like that that's 25 years old. So that in and of itself is enough to make to turn your head and make you want to listen to Rockwell's story or write our story. Um, so anyway, the, the, the end user has to do a better job of, uh, of, of demanding what is allowed into their plant on these, these types of equipment because otherwise some OEMs will, will provide, you know, basically the cheapest crap they can put on there. That's interesting. That's a good point. I mean, so it's, it's on the end user to, to either select an OEM that is doing the right thing and, uh, or demand it. Yeah, I mean, I have told, I can't tell you how many OEMs that I've worked with over the years that I've had the same conversation with. And their comeback is, well, you know, they'll say that the, the, the OEM will come back to them and say, okay, well, we'll use the Rockwell stuff, but there's going to be an upcharge. Or, or um, it's going to be on you guys if it doesn't work. And if that's the case, then guys, you know what? I would find another OEM. Huh. Uh, that's what I tell them because that's just not true. Uh, there's, there's, um, there, there may be one or two things out there that, that we couldn't do. I haven't run across any myself. We've always been able to uh, technically fit the role or the application that we're trying to fit. Um, but I can't say positively that there's some, that there's nothing out there we can't do. Um, but I can say in my world, which is Kentucky and Southern Indiana, that, that we're hitting I've yet to turn an application away because we couldn't do it. Yeah. Do you have a good like customer, you know, story um, of you know how it should be done? Either either uh, from the beginning or after the fact. Yeah, I I, I I'm reluctant to use customers' yeah, names no, no. simply no. because uh, uh, confidentiality and things like that. But I have a customer. No, I need their first name, last name, social security <laughs> number. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think so. Uh, I'm pretty tight-lipped about, uh, and, and as well as most salespeople are, about their, their customers and keeping confidentiality. So I will tell you that 
we have a customer that we've been extremely successful. This is actually a pretty good story for all the salespeople out there, too. Um, so this particular customer that I'm thinking about, when uh, when we first started dealing with them, I uh, I didn't have any luck at all. And I couldn't get past, really, the front door. And the salesperson, and remember, I'm, I'm the technical guy, or I was the technical guy then. And, uh, and our salespeople are really the, the point of contact or they're, they're the folks that, that are calling on the accounts all the time. So they're the, they're the focal point. Uh, the sales guy was like, well, you know, we're not ha- I'm telling the sales guy, hey, we're not having any luck here, guys. I, I, I'm done with this account. I, I just can't get anywhere. They don't want to listen. They were using a competitive system and, uh, and they just really weren't interested. Well, the sales guy that I was working with, he was—he wouldn't take no for an, for an answer. He kept pounding on them and kept going in and, and, and working with them and trying to get them to listen. And finally, they did. There, there was one person, one guy in the engineering group that was sympathetic to our cause, and he, he actually understood what we were trying to do and, and the, the, the fit that we were trying to give them, which was a marriage between the mechanical piece, the electrical piece, the software, and the programming where they were using different vendors before we were trying to give it all to them as a, in a, in a package. And <clears throat> this has been probably uh, 12 years ago, 14 years ago, somewhere along in there. And finally they listened to us and they allowed us to put a package in and there are, they have an actual R and D uh, development center. And uh, we put the package in and they went through the, the standard process of trying it out and teaching their people and they were thrilled. I mean, honestly, they, 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 they just couldn't say enough good things about it after we had put it all together for them. And uh, they had actually programmed it and used it. How easy it was and, and how much more efficient it was. But more than anything, uh, I'm trying to think here, th- these folks make things for the airline industry. And uh, the airline industry is an industry where tolerances are, are crucial. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you if you're working within a tolerance of uh, ten thousand, say, and and your your equipment is providing you that that tolerance level, and then you all of a sudden change that you you change the way the the equipment is controlled, and change the type of mechanical equipment you're using, and you change that tolerance from ten thousands to five thousands. Oh my, that's a big change. It's a little bitty amount, but it's a huge amount in in the in this world. And that's exactly what it did. It not only made product uh, more efficiently with less scrap, it made product whose tolerances were much tighter. And that gave them the ability to go out and sell to their customer, hey, we can build these these things to 5,000 where our competition is offering you 10,000. So it, it increased their business. It increased uh, their market share. And it's given us a great customer with an annuity. Uh, I mean, every year there, there's all there always uh, these systems are evolving. It's kind of the same same process being done, but now we're on our third generation of servo drives, actuators, etc. Where we started with kinetics uh, uh, ultra three thousands and kinetic six thousands on circos you know, fourteen years ago. Now we're all the way through the SIP motion stuff and, and offering the same types of product only in the in the Ethernet world with advanced safety and giving the, the customers the ability to um, uh, go in and out of these production cells and 
on their lines and do things that they weren't able to do before because of the advanced safety. So that's kind of the evolving uh, motion control stuff that we were talking about earlier. So, so I try to summarize a lot. I mean, in OEMs, there's a lot of OEMs out there that think that, you know, they're going to get more business and be more valuable to end users if they, if they start using things that work together and that uh, fit together, even if they think they may not, is what you're saying from your experience. And then the end users are going to have just, you know, less long-term headaches and issues and less training needed and uh, more success if uh, they either demand it or make sure that that conversation happens before they start implementing all motion control in their facility. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. You, you listen well. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> especially when you got a guy that rambles like my me. wife does not say that sometimes yeah. that's for sure that's that's a disconnect that you'll never bridge <laughs> you know i've been married for uh, a long time i've been <laughs> i've been married for nearly 40 years see so so you got this down you understand the listening thing that's great i, I understand the keeping the mouth shut thing <laughs> Well, I need you to keep talking a little bit more uh, right okay. now. Um, no, this is this is really good stuff, and it kind of went to a place where I wasn't really expecting, and a really big picture, and really getting to the whole point of motion control and making sure that you know everything needs to fit together and all work together. That is critical, and something that we don't think about because a lot of times, you know, and it's even from what I hear from a lot of uh, some specialists in our area, they they are promoting individual uh, products and. And that's not important, is what you're saying. You're you're saying that it's the all these products together, depending on the the application, that's the most important thing. Not just one product that we're like gonna throw out a blog post about and talk about. That's exactly right. I mean, if you, uh, you use use Industry 4.0 as an example, there, like we talked earlier, I mean, there's there's multiple uh, technologies that that make up. Um, industry 4.0 yeah there are some really important technologies in there Uh, artificial intelligence or or augmented reality or or, uh, the cloud those are all really important things but it's the conglomerate it's it's the composite that makes up what is the most powerful thing about it and and it's that way in the motion world as well don't look at motion control as a component everybody's got servo motors everybody's got couplers everybody's got gearboxes but nobody, but there's not a lot of folks out there, good, solid companies out there like CED that are offering consultings, uh, basically free consulting to go in and, and, and help you put a packaged and a packaged solution together. And, and that's what we're doing. I mean, we're giving you as a customer, um, the ability to, uh, to go in and, and put this all together and, and we'll, we'll put our stamp of approval on it. And, you know, if I give you a stamp of, of approval, if the information that you've given me is correct about your application, it's solid. And, and, you know, you don't have to worry about it working or not working. It's going to work. There you so th- go. Everyone give Chris a call. We'll give you some information at the end of this podcast, but there you go. Take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hey, if you're in the Kentucky, Southern Indiana market, uh, be more than happy to help you. I'll be happy to help you wherever you're at, but uh, you <laughs> well, might not, I may not. 
Well, that's all right. Yeah. That's a beauty. We, um, the Industrial Solutions Network, you know, it's a network of locations all over the country. And uh, yes, Chris is uh, in charge of those in Kentucky and Indiana. Um, but, you know, if you get a hold of him, he'll connect you with people that are like minded like him uh, in SoCal and the Northwest and even Arkansas. We got people um, all the way up to New York. So um, he's just one man, but he knows a lot of good people. He knows them all. He knows me now too, so I can get it. I can get you, right. I can get him connected. Um, so a couple quick things. Um, what is like one misconception that a lot of customers have on motion control? That it's difficult. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, it's not. I mean, yeah. Some of the programming. Hey, hey, I've been doing it for a long time, and. And I was doing uh, CNC type stuff before I did the uh, general motion stuff. And those those two worlds, by the way, have kind of melded together at this point. We're doing a whole lot of things in the uh, the general motion world that we used to have to do in the CNC type world. But um, it's not nearly as complex as, as it used to be. And and Logics, um, RS Logics Studio Five Thousand, has made it such. I mean, it, it's. If you can go in and write PLC code, if you know how to do that, uh, if you know how to take timers and counters and configure them, then you can take the motion instructions that are embedded in in your copy of Studio 5000. This is another point that, that people don't realize either. Uh, they're using the PLC programming, right? They, they've got the, the, the Rockwell uh, uh, software package on their shelf. They're paying for support. And they've got the motion instructions embedded in that code, and they don't even know it. And and all they got to do is use the, the the software that they're used to, bring those tools down into the into the ladder and configure them just like they would a timer or a counter. Now that's oversimplifying it. I I'll grant you that in some cases. But if you can do that, you can teach yourself or have someone else show you how to do some of the more advanced instructions. We have all kinds of labs that we can send you. We can mm. send you to school. You can take training. There's just so many different ways. And it's, it's, it's not like having to start at ground zero again, because it's not a different software package. I can't overstate that. I mean, mm. it's just, uh, it's, it's huge. Then what's the, what's the biggest opportunity for a customer right now in motion? The biggest opportunity is probably to assess their production facility an honest assessment and do and um, find your bottlenecks and address them because a lot of times whether the bottleneck has got to do with uh, scrap or or uh, tolerances or just simply because we can't make them fast enough um, motion control or motion control solutions can help with that and, and people get stuck with, oh, it's going to cost too much or we're not going to be able to do this or we can't find people to do this. That's, again, that's where CED comes in. You call me, I come out, we take a look at it, we discuss what you're, what you're, what you're trying to do. And, and I'll give you an honest assessment of it. It's going to cost you $80,000 or it's going to cost you $8,000. But you don't know that. And right now, I think people tend to put price tags on things. And just say that it's that it's uh, the payback is six years, and, and it's not. The payback is is typically two and a half, three years. It depends on what you're doing. I mean, you can't spend, you know, 
a uh, hundred hundred grand if you're making widgets that cost a nickel a piece and you're selling three a month. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, this 38 minutes went by real quick, Chris. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Um, call to action right now. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but anytime a motion project or mechanical electrical motion project is thought of, um, either before or after done to just talk to a consultant. I mean, you can talk to whoever, but you know, Chris says he's free and within CED and our industrial solutions network, we want to partner with our customers and be able to do that consulting for you all just to help. So we can figure out the best way to help you guys in your processes. Uh, talk to your OEMs or be very selective and think about, you know, what they're doing and how all their, uh, their motion fits into their solution um, and be very selective and have internally be able to talk between mechanical and electrical when doing these projects. Um, and making sure the biggest point I got out of this is to make sure that everything fits together. It all works together. It's like a well-done suit. You got to have that three-piece suit. Everything looks like it's supposed to work together. And uh, is that right? Is that what people should be doing? That's a great thing. Yeah, and don't forget the shoes and the, and the cufflinks. Either. Yeah. You know, you, you got to there, – there's there's pieces that go with that suit that, that you could choose that uh, would make other people think, where do you get that stuff at? You know, so so that's what we're going to try and help you not do, and that is we're going to let you, we're going to help you select the right cufflinks and the right and the right shoes and socks to go with that suit as well, and that's uh, that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, don't wear those Velcro shoes to the wedding; you'll be kicked out. Um, Leave the clip on at home. You know, you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> no, that's that's an OEM you do not want to choose if they're putting a clip-on tie <laughs> onto this suit. Because that that's just gonna fall off. You're just gonna be embarrassed. All that stuff. You don't want to be embarrassed. So, uh, thanks again, Chris. This is a really good conversation. Um, and honestly, it went to a place and very focused that I didn't think it was gonna go. Um, so I thought it was fantastic. I think, uh, Chris, let people know how they can connect with you and get a hold of you. Uh, well, you can get a hold of me at uh, Chris B C H R I S B is in boy at T-R-C-C-E-D. It's Tango Ro- I can't talk. Tango Romeo Oscar. Tango or wow. How about I just say T-R-C-C-E-D? Does that come through clear enough? <laughs> I think so. Or, my tongue is actually tied right now. Or you can get a hold of me. I'm Justin Brunken. Um, I help do marketing for the whole Industrial Solutions Network locations of CED. You can comment. Uh, on the podcast, you can email email me at justin.brunken, B-R-U-N-K-E-N, at C-E-D.com. Um, you can just yell real loud. I might be able to hear you and just, you know, assume who you are and uh, get a hold of you too. Um, again, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to have more of these. Uh, this is a fantastic sort of conversation. Um, again, you know, trying to bring together people that know what they're doing and, and try to help you customers out on just getting a little bit more information and hopefully get some time to sit down and listen to this. And I know no one's driving, so I don't know when you're going to listen to this other than in your car. And, uh, uh, though luckily us and our customers are still critical. Manufacturing always matters and we're still here for you. So 
again, really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, we'll talk later. Thank you for the time, Justin. I appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, this will be uh, something that other people get something out of. Take care and enjoy. Thanks, Chris. Stay safe. You too. See ya.